There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on September the 5th, 2013. For newcomers, I advise you to make good use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. There's lots of audios for free download and I take you through the system that you're living through, you're born into. It's a complete system, actually very well worked out and it should be too because it's been on the go for an awful long time, well over 100 years in fact. And you'll find that the big private foundations, the big money boys, set themselves up a long time ago, at the height of the British Empire even, and they were based in London, uh, the city of London, and they set up private organisations which would be a parallel government, uh, the real government in fact, the ones that controlled all the cash, and uh, that's where the money lies. So they set up foundations, tax-free, tax-exempt foundations, to basically give themselves uh, lots of cash uh, to use for think tanks, but these think tanks advise uh, with policies for every country across the world for another social policies, including military and so on and so on. And they're still on the go today, these private organizations. Some of them sound very official, like the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which is a private organization. Uh, and its American counterpart, the CFR, that's a member of the same organization for to take over the same kind of world empire for globalism. And they, they're incredibly... Uh, Powerful indeed. They also hire thousands of NGOs, non-governmental organizations. In fact, they found them and set them up. And uh, they lobby governments for all the changes that you're hearing about today, constantly constantly advocating these changes to suit the boys at the top. So help yourself to the website. Remember, too, that uh, you can help me take along here by getting the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. That's all there is to I have uh, for sale. And you can help me take along by donating too. And to do so, go into the, the website, as I say, cutting3matrix.com. You can also get on the sites listed there. Uh, on that particular site, you'll see a whole bunch of sites. You'll find they all carry the audios for free download. They all carry transcripts in English for print up in many of the talks I've given over the years. And you can get transcripts in other languages if you go into Alan Watt EU. Remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you can still order by using personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office, or you can send cash or use PayPal across the world, Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal. Remember, straight donations are seriously welcome as we go through the planned inflation, which they call quantitative easing these days. So we're, we're living through a script, and that's what folk don't understand as a script. And remember, I've mentioned so many times in the past that Professor Carl Quigley who was uh, one time the historian for the, the Council on Foreign Relations, this private uh, group, of course. They push their own members into governments as well and the high bureau- bureaucratic positions. Uh, he was a historian for them, and he, and he said basically they've been behind all the wars in the last hundred years, and maybe even further back under different names. And basically we're going through a continuation today of the same system, war after war, all planned well in advance, 
and uh, and everything's lined up like ducks in a row, with the same propaganda being used pretty well to take down all the, the countries that are on the list to be taken down. And of course, you've got to remember the, the, the PNAC group back in the 90s published that the countries they wanted to be taken out, and Obama simply continuing the same agenda in his particular reign, as they call it. So... We're living through a script, and even the social changes you're experiencing today are all planned again by the private foundations and and implemented through all their, the, the front men that they have in government and outside of government. So we're living through their script, and most folk don't quite get that as their script. Uh, their plan, too, to not just bring in a global government, but also to bring in a, a, an authorized, controlled society across the whole planet. That's a big undertaking that has to be finished this century, because this is what they call, in their own terms, in their own language, the century of change. And so they have to finish off all the countries that will not come under uh, the global World Bank system, the Bank for International Settlements, the IMF. Uh, and, and go along with the World Trade Organization. They all have to be plundered, smashed to smithereens if necessary, and brought into the fold and run by the global uh, organization. That's what's really happening today. And most folk at the bottom haven't a clue because they're caught up in the the day-to-day problems that, that they encounter with deindustrialization, jobs all being got, given to China, for instance, as they have been for the last 25 or 30 years almost, all through a, a treaty uh, drawn up again by the CFR, Royal Institute of International Affairs, and they created the World Trade Organization as well, privately run. They decided to give China all the business and deindustrialize the Western countries, and, of course, uh, now they're dealing with all the problems of unemployment, etc., etc., etc. So everything's completely interrelated to do with these private organizations. The governments never listen to the general public. They never listen to the public. When they don't get what they want, they go back for the vote on whatever it, ha- it happens to be, whether it's to join the European Union. And some countries did it five times in a row. And just uh, using marketing skills, they find out who's not voting, why they're not voting, how can they sway them to vote, etc., etc. The fear factor, you'll be left behind, all of this stuff. And they're using the same techniques, of course, with the, with the NAFTA agreement, because America's eventually to become the same as the EU, with a central parliamentary system. During the, the free trade negotiations before NAFTA uh, even came along, that was a precursor where everything was set up, was in the free trade negotiations. Uh, they actually discussed, the U.S. government and Canada and Mexico discussed um, setting up a parliament for the Americas in Montreal, of all places. But that's where they decided to, to put it if they, they build one. So they're still working on this and integration is still going ahead. Now, right now, and at this moment, of course, we're all waiting for the list, the list of countries to be taken out from the 90s is still ongoing, to be continued. And these boys never change their plans. They never do. Uh, When the big foundations publish their agendas and what they want to happen, you can take it to the bank. It's only bank that really works because they never, ever change their agendas. Now, Tonight, I'll put up a couple of links to do, and all the articles I'll mention, mind you, I'll put up the, tonight at cuttingthroughmates.com after the broadcast. But it was back in um, 2007, for instance, uh, that General Wesley Clark uh, was at the Commonwealth Club of California, and uh, I'll put the link up for that too, and I'll put the, also a little video clip up with it as well where he discusses this. He said that there was a policy group 
the project for a new American century. He, he said that they're going to destroy the governments of seven countries within five years of each other. It says there actually has been, uh, been more than seven countries where the military coup have uh, failed and then have been military interventions. So, in other words, they bring in first what they call color revolutions, where they put in students from all over the world to go and protest within countries that want to, they want to take down or, or foment revolution. If that doesn't work, then they, they, they get their armed um, mercenaries in afterwards, like it's happening in Syria right now. So uh, he discusses all of this on the videos, and you can listen to him. And there's two videos of him talking about it. I'll put them both up tonight for those who want to see it. But uh, America really uh, is the big stick in the world, as we know, because after the Cold War, supposedly, it would be the only country left with the kind of power to finish off the global agenda. We'll touch on that when we come back from this break. Hi, folks, we're back cutting through the matrix. And I talk about the U.S.'s power, basically, as a big military power for the world. And it will go down the hill that way, too, because if you go back into the other globalists from even back 1930s, for instance, who taught at Oxford University, you'll find that some of them wrote lots of books about uh, the, the world order and the global society they're going to bring in. And they talked about the U.S. taking over from Britain. Uh, as the as the big stick on the world, uh, military-wise, that is, too. Uh, it's pretty well happened, and um, you, you'll find that they actually talked about the U.S. Uh, eventually failing and how they would pu- get pushed back at, at one or two points and then come rally forth again. That's the standard what happens in empires, and they seem to be winning again, but the, actual, the first time they start to lose anything at all, it's really a sign of the way out. It might take another 50 years for that to happen. But of course, that's a big plan too, as we go into a global society. By that time, the U.S. will have forced the world into it, or those who run the U.S. or, or control the U.S. But here's from the Jerusalem Post right now to do with the, the Syria and so on. But it says the APAC uh, backed letter by Senators Ben Cardwin from Maryland and Susan Collins from Maine uh, begins by labeling Palestinian neonatal efforts at the United Nations unacceptable. So Palestine, as you know, uh, is getting no recognition from anybody, but they managed to get a little foot in the door um, when they lobbied at the United Nations themselves. Most of don't really care about uh, about the Palestinians because they're kept out of the news as much as possible. But APAC is the American Israel Public Affairs Committee. It's the most powerful lobbying group, according to Wikipedia, in the country. And Britain's got one too, their own form of it. So have other countries as well. Very powerful. But it says here that uh, this this letter by uh, Cardin and Susan Collins uh, was actually backed by APAC itself, you see. So they're spokespeople for them. And there's there's a dilemma that the U.S. has, uh, because within the U.S. you have the powerful lobby group that's there for another country, not for the U.S. So whose interests really uh, are being served here when another country is being used to go to war to finish off strategies um, that basically benefit a different country altogether? Anyway, it says, 
The letter garnered more than 60 signatures, according to AIPAC. The other letter, which had, was more than 200 giant street supporters from around the country, lobbied during visits to Capitol Hill Tuesday and opens by calling on Obama to reiterate his commitment to both Israel's security and a two-state solution during his two-day visit, which begins Wednesday. So it's essential for you to reaffirm on your upcoming trip that finding a pathway to peace remains a priority for your administration, but at the same time, they're all wanting them to go to war with Syria on their behalf. I'll put this up tonight for those who want to read it themselves. And also, as I've said uh, already, that's one article on APAC. Another one was says APAC says they support the U.S. strike on Syria. So influential U.S. pro-Israel groups remain quiet on the topic to avoid being seen as rooting for the United States to go to war. And this is from, uh, uh, again, Jerusalem Post, and it says, uh, three influential pro-Israel groups urged U.S. lawmakers Tuesday to authorize President Obama to launch an attack on Syria, signaling a stepped-up lobbying effort for American military action. The statements made by the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee, the Anti-Defamation League and the Republican Jewish Coalition represented the group's most public show of support for U.S. military action since the August 21st attack near Damascus, in which Syria's government is accused of using chemical weapons to kill more than 1,400 people. During the past two weeks, the groups have been unusually quiet as the Obama administration sought to build a case for limited strikes against Syrian President Bashar Assad's government. Supporters of the groups and government sources acknowledged that the groups had made it known that they supported U.S. action, but the sources say the groups generally went want the, the debate to focus on U.S. national security rather than how a decision to attack Syria might help Israel. In other words, they want the U.S. to take all the blame for, for their benefit, really. And I'll put this up today as well. So it isn't straightforward, as you, as you well know. Nothing really is. And you have, within the U.S., a big, powerful, powerful military-industrial complex, but you also have people from other countries or who see another country as their, as their own, and not, not the U.S. so much, uh, and uh, they're using that, too, for their own interests. Also, this article, too, is from the Times of Israel. As Congress begins the debate in the U.S. military involvement in Syria, uh, Israel's ambassador to Washington, Michael Oren, released Israel's first official position statement on the subject Tuesday night. At a subsequent event, he dismissed those critics who argue that the U.S. should not retaliate for the Assad regime's use of chemical weapons because it would put Israel in danger. Shortly after the Senate Foreign Relations Committee concluded a lengthy session debating the approval of a retaliatory strike, Oren released an official statement in which he said that Israel agrees with President Obama that the use of chemical weapons is a heinous act. Well, they all do that when they're not using themselves. For which the Assad regime must be held accountable and for which there must be international consequences. Israel further agrees with the President that uh, the use of chemical weapons promotes the proliferation of weapons of mass destruction. We have already heard that before. And encourages governments who would choose to build nuclear arms, they're meaning Iran, because they want Iran to be taken out too. And then New York Times airbrushes details of the hawkish Israeli stance on Syria after APAC pressure. That's from the International Business Times. It says a powerful Israel lobby group in Washington accused of encouraging self-censorship of Syria reprisal report. It says New York Times has come under fire for self-censoring its own reporting on the Syria crisis after pressure from Israel's powerful lobbying group, a committee that's APAC again. That's a lot of powerful group. It can, it can literally run your propaganda in your own country. 
He says, the newspaper ran a, a news story on the 2nd of September uh, outlining President Obama's efforts to secure congressional backing for military interventions in Syria and positioned on the possibility of unlimited airstrikes. The report detailed the President's meeting with influential senators and members of Congress and with committees including the Senate Armed Forces Committee and the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence before moving on to APAC and its agenda. It quoted one unidentified administration official who described APAC as the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Don't you think the people themselves, or everybody should get a vote uh, if you're going to be involved in the war? But you don't, do you? But uh, when you have these powerful lobby groups, they can make or break any senator or congressman. What can you do about that? There's a conflict here. And also... This article, too, is, uh, is, uh, it says it's from Pravda. In fact, it says, Syria, the case against Assad. And it says, apparent desperation of those who support the Syrian opposition, in quotation marks, insinuating that the Syrian government used chemical weapons without a shred of evidence, using photographs to prove the case, taking Iraq 2003, using dodgy proof from the King of Spin. The BBC spells out a sorry story similar to those of Libya and Iraq. And it's true enough, they're all this much the same, aren't they? And it's, it's not a bad article, too. It goes through some of the history of this uh, that everybody's forgetting about, too, because you're always caught up in the now, and that's what the media tries to do. They don't want you to think back and put things together. So it's not a bad article at all. I'll put that up tonight as well. And also from Pravda, it's the price of dignity. This is part two, the destruction of Libya. It's quite a good article, in fact. It goes through the history of Libya and the Western interference it's had uh, since, it, since it was created, basically. All after oil and, and the minerals and all the rest of it, they had there too. Not just one country, but many countries have been, have been trying that afterwards. But it's a good history which is kind of omitted in the present times that we live in. And also, from Wikipedia too, it talks about the American Israel Public Affairs Committee and it's, it's good, it's not too bad actually for, for Wikipedia, but it, it talks about, uh, it's a lobbying group that advocates pro-Israel policies to the Congress and executive branch of the U.S. Is that, is that anywhere in the, in the Constitution at all, folks? The current president of APAC is Michael Casson from Westport, Connecticut. It describes itself as America's pro-Israel lobby. The APAC is a mass membership American organization whose members include Democrats, Republicans, and Independents. The New York Times has called it the most important organization affecting Americans' relationship with Israel. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix talking about APAC and its influence on American policy. And from Wikipedia it says that uh, it's a mass membership American organization whose members include Democrats, Republicans, and Independents. New York Times called it the most important organization affecting America's relationship with Israel. And it's been described as one of the most powerful lobbying groups in Washington, D.C. Its critics have stated it acts as an agent of the Israeli government with a stranglehold on the U.S. Congress with its power and influence. 
and then it goes on to talk about some. Um, it says in 2005, a Pentagon analyst pleaded guilty to charges of passing U.S. government secrets to two APAC staffers in what's known as the APAC espionage scandal. Both staffers were later fired by APAC. Then in 2009, all charges against the former APAC employees were dropped. They actually do that many times. They're even still doing it for, I think, Pollard, who's still in prison in the U.S. for passing secrets to Israel. But they just keep lobbying to get them off, off the hook. And they have a lot of power to get it done too. And it's a good history. It gives you two on Wikipedia. Uh, and just tells you how old the actual committee was and so on. But it goes into its aims and activities. Uh, and how they, 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 they actually can make or break, as I say, congressmen. Because everyone's dependent on donations. And it says here, the Washington Post states the APAC's website, which details how members of Congress voted on APAC's key issues. And the APAC Insider, a glossy periodical that handicaps uh, close political races, are scrutinized by thousands of potential donors. Pro-Israel interests have contributed by $56.8 million in individuals, uh, groups, and soft money donations to the federal candidates and party committees since 1990, according to the Nonpartisan Center for Responsive Politics. Between 2000 and 2004 elections, the 50 members of APAC's board donated an average of $72,000 each to campaigns and political action committees. So they can really make and break that, and actually says, or, or Democrats or, or Republicans who are running for Congress, and uh, it mentions that in this article as well. So there's definitely a conflict within the U.S. I think the world's aware of it too, and uh, and definitely this is all going along with these wars with Israel's policies as well, because they had the same articles of countries to be taken out uh, when George Bush Jr. was um, uh, tied with uh, the PNAC group then as well. Also, the article tonight, I'll put up tonight too, is called The Syrian War That You're Not Being Told. As I said before, that's a YouTube one, and you can hear how, how old this agenda is. Also, from Global Research uh, in Canada, it says, Greater Israel, the Zionist Plan for the Middle East. And it's by Michael Chusadovsky. And it says, uh, it's called The Infamous Ordered uh, Yinan Plan. And uh, this is what they call it. This is a following document uh, pertaining to the formation of Greater Israel constitutes the cornerstone of powerful Zionist factions within the current Netanyahu government, the Likud party, as well as within the Israeli military and intelligence establishment. According to the founding father of Zionism, who was Theodore Herzl, the area of the Jewish state stretches from the Brook of Egypt to the Euphrates. According to Rabbi Fixman, the promised land extends from the river of Egypt up to the Euphrates, includes parts of Syria and Lebanon as well. And that has been mentioned that by different um, leaders of Israel uh, over the years. So that's another thing to, to keep in mind with all these wars that are going on. Now, it says, uh, Russian children now, as America exports some strange philosophy across the world, because it's now called progressive, and uh, and it says Russian children are to get uh, same-gender love books from the West. Representatives from the LGBT community like to point out that remarkably creative people are abundant in their community. This is a correct statement, considering the level of creativity with which the idea of homosexuality is promoted and propagated amongst children in the Russian hinterland by some publishers, as evidenced by a scandalous story that recently took place in Vladimir. 
Another book scandal erupted in Vladimir, Russia. Local ombudsman for children, uh, Gennady uh, Pokerchev, came across a children's literature of a very specific nature in a local bookstore. Formerly, the books were uh, one of the many encyclopedias, as they call them, on the, t- the burning topic of sex and where children come from. If you go through the history, by the way, of the, the printing press, and the various revolutions throughout Europe, they all had a lots of ties to today, in fact. You'll, you can find that uh, the same kind of characters were putting up the same kind of books back then to try to destroy the cultures across Europe in order to change it. And some of them called themselves the Encyclopedists, the group that they formed at the time, to change the cultures of the actual uh, people who would oppose them. Also, as we go through this nonsense uh, of war, 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 which also covers a lot of things that are happening domestically and to other countries across the world, because it hides a lot of things that are going on right now. But it says, Israel has a missile test amid the fear of Syria escalation. Israel carried out a joint missile test with the U.S. and the Med amid heightened tension over possible Western military strikes in Syria. It came as the U.S. Congress prepared for its first public hearing on a possible military response to alleged chemical weapons in Syria. Earlier, the UN confirmed that more than 2 million Syrians were now refugees from the 30-month conflict. More Syrians were now displaced than in any other nationality, it said. And a senior Israeli defense official confirmed the BBC that a missile had been fired Tuesday to test its defense systems. It says, too, it was fired, fired in, towards, the, towards the direction of Syria, in fact, as well. You couldn't really get the saber-rattling going as much as is going on right now by the ones who want it all to happen. And as things are going on across the world, too, don't forget that you're involved. And this is the whole thing, too, as governments try to... In fact, I don't like the name uh, the governments uh, use when they want to go to war. It's like Britain has decided, or the U.S. has decided, and so on and so on. No one's ever, ever asked their opinion on anything. The vast majority, that's why they call them the silent majority. You have no say in anything. And in fact, you're, you're kept out of the say as much as possible. You're trained that way not to participate in having any power at all. Leave it to the experts. Leave it to all the specialists above you. They come out of special wombs uh, and so on. And you just play yourselves. That's what you're told to do. That's why you get so much entertainment. But... um We've touched on this particular character many times before because of his shady past, but it says Obama's science diplomat advocates uh, population control. And you can guess who it is, of course. But it says uh, the Obama administration has been engaging in science diplomacy, it's called. Very Orwellian again, eh? Science. It's all called science today. Remember, the global society wants experts to rule us all and various government agencies to decide everything about us, even if you can breed in the future or not. I'm not kidding about that. But it's by sending out his top science advisor to visit foreign dignitaries. So exporting, again, it's not just uh, porn and so on, exporting from the U.S., it's also this. It says, but John Holdren, John Holdren again, director of the White House official Office of Science and Technology Policy and Obama official engaged in this jet setting, has expressed controversial views about government-imposed population controls. The Guardian reports that Holdren regularly meets with top scientists from other countries such as Brazil, Russia, China and Japan as a way, uh, as a new way to go, to reach out to bridge cultural and economic gaps between the U.S. and the rest of the world. Holder has previously stated that the United States and the rest of the world have too many people. What they really mean is the wrong people, actually, folks. They don't need us all anymore, you see. 
because uh, they've set up most of the manufacturing for everything in China, for instance. And they don't need the old people anymore, the old, the old style human, because there's no work for most of them. And there's even less work in the future. You know that too. Anyways, we're on about the population bomb and so on and so on. Holdren has a record uh, not only surpassed by his lifetime collaborator Paul Ehrlich for spreading misinformation and making failed predictions, Myron Abel, uh, Director of International Energy and Global Warming Policy at the Competitive Enterprise Institute, told the Daily Caller News Foundation. In addition, Dr. Holdren has advocated a wide array of despicable policies such as mandatory population control and was a willing stooge of the Soviet Union as a member for several decades of the Pugwash Conference and of which he was chairman when it was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1995, Ebel added. John Holdren is therefore the perfect science diplomat for an administration that peddles junk science and supports policies that will make poor people, and especially poor people in poor countries, poorer. As President Obama's science diplomat, he can now advocate for global impoverishment on a global stage. Testifying before the Senate in 74, Holdren and fellow scientist and population control advocate Paul Ehrlich argued that the world was moving towards a no-growth economy because of overpopulation and technology would not be able to mitigate the problem. He said, we're going to move to a no-growth economy, Ehrlich said. So everything's planned way ahead, folks. It's all planned way, way ahead, long before Ehrlich came along, too. He says, now whether we do it intelligently through the government by planning as rapidly as possible, or whether we move there automatically, by the way, when I look at some of the figures these days, I think we're moving there much more rapidly than people realize we're going to get there, obviously, he said. So the only problem is, when's the government going to take all responsibility for everything that we do? Everything we do, individually. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix talking about Mr. Holdren and Paul Ehrlich and how it's still going on today. It's a very old agenda, as I say, because a hundred years ago, the big boys, the Royal Institute for International Affairs and the Royal Society were talking about the same agenda then. Uh, what will we do after the Industrial Revolution starts to slow down and so on? And after we've got all these wars through and we've got the global society, etc., how do we train the public? What do we do with them then? We bring down the populations uh, and create institutional changes, these kind of things. Now, it says here that um, one such collaboration between Ehrlich and Holdren was an essay entitled Population and Panaceas, a technological perspective from 1969 that argued man's present technology is inadequate to the task of maintaining the world's burgeoning billions, even under the most optimistic assumptions. Now, the fact is, uh, in most first world countries, the populations have been plummeting. Even the United Nations admits that. And the countries are, are going along with a policy of mass immigration to keep, not only keep the populations up, but also to bring in a global society. In fact, these wars, by the way, are part of it. Where do you think all these refugees end up going? That's a big, big part of it, folks. Destroy the existing cultures for a global society. It's all been discussed. And as his Holder and Ehrlich further argue that technological advancements to increase food supplies wouldn't be, would be fruitless until the population growth rate drastically is reduced. 
No effort to expand the carrying capacity of the earth can keep pace with unbridled population growth, he wrote. That was back then. Holdren was heavily criticised after being tapped by President Obama in 2009 for being an author in a textbook that floated such ideas as forced abortions, putting sterilants in the drinking water and government-mandated family planning. That's forced abortion and so on and sterilisation. This is was this is was in the U.S. government, folks. The ones that are bringing progressiveness to the world and everything else along with it. So one passage of the, of the textbook even argued that such coercive population control methods could even be constitutional. It says, indeed, it has been concluded that compulsory population control laws, even including laws requiring compulsory abortion, could be sustained under the existing constitution if the population crisis become, becomes sufficiently severe to endanger the society, Holdren and Ehrlich wrote. Few today consider the situations in the U.S. serious enough to justify compulsion, however it says. The space still up there is the science are, isn't it? Holdren's office denied the doctor supported course of abortions to controlling the population. It does that right now. But this is all, it's all documented in, in the books that they put out. Dr. Holdren has stated flatly that he does not now support and has never supported compulsory abortions. Well, he's a good liar. That's why he's in government. Because it, it was in his books. And anyway, this is what they, they put out for you. And these are the guys who are supposedly running the countries. Remember, you don't have countries anymore. That's what von Rompuy said, the guy who was well appointed as the head of the EU Parliament. He says, the nation-state is obsolete. I read the article on the air at the time. Go into the archive section at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and read it for yourself. See, people think, they always think, as I say, when when you're pushed to go to wars and so on, that you're still a nation. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're run by a small clique, a minority of people. And um, and the whole world's like that now, with with a, an, an internationalist agenda. It's been like that for a hundred years. And so you don't have what you think is your own country with its own customs and so on. That's why they're always changing. You're progressive. You're going through the agenda, folks. And as all this is happening too, and uh, it says, pandemic of pension wars is plaguing the nation. Across the nation, cities and states are watching Detroit's largest ever municipal bankruptcy filing with great trepidation. Use of underfunded retirement promises to public sector workers. That's what you get in the big socialist society is so many folk working for governments and right down to the bottom. Which helped lay Detroit's low, Detroit low could plunge them into a similar and terrifying financial hole. The CNBC com analysis of more than 120 of the nation's largest state and, p- and local pension plans finds they face a wide range of burdens as their aging workforces near retirement. See, they've never had old folks before. Is this, you understand that how things are written, people? They've never the population boom. They never had people born before until the 1950s, apparently. And my goodness, we're going to get old one day. Folk apparently never got old before that. A lot of them didn't actually, they were starved to death through or forced to work 16 hours uh, a day sort of thing. Anyway, it says, thanks to a patchwork of accounting practices and rosy investment assumptions, it's not even clear just how big a financial hole many states and cities have dug for themselves. That may soon change thanks to new self-government accounting standards that could serve as a nasty wake-up call to states and cities relying on rosy scenarios and head-in-the-sand accounting. What it boils down to is not just in the U.S. It's the same. Understand we're global. Every country is doing what every other country is doing. 
because all get orders from, from the same internationalists. It's been that way for a long, long time. And they're going to plunder the pensions. And they're going to... Actually, they've been spending them all along anyway. And, and they're going to bring us all down into austerity. That's part of the big plan. Austerity, you understand. Where every penny you have will go to basic survival for food, water, all owned by private internationalists. And it'll go for your energy as well, for the energy corporations. That's where your money has to go, all your extra spending money. There'll be no more extra spending money. And also the major pharmaceutical company wants to block access to clinical trial of data of their drugs because they fear profit loss. That's quite an article, actually. But it talks about some... Abiv, uh, Abiv is called, split off from Abbott Laboratories, maker of Humira and Intermune, maker of Esprit, have filed a lawsuit against the European Medicines Agency, uh, as, as equivalent to the FDA for Europe, to block access to clin- clinical trial data on the benefits and harms of the drugs, claiming that these vital facts are trade secrets, whose release would harm their profits, it would also harm the people that take them. According to this article, medical researchers have been denied uh, access to clinical trial information. But then they go into this. It says, of course, when a drug causes cancer, release of clinical data information could potentially harm the profits of the company that makes Humira, a drug that's quickly becoming one of the best-selling drugs in the world, mainly because of the marketing techniques used by ABV, and it, and it causes cancer. Here, and it gives you one of their ads to watch if you if you want to watch it. But it says the FDA warning label on Humira warns of increased risk of lymphoma and other malignancies, including a rare type of cancer called hepatosplenic T-cell lymphoma that often results in death, along with increased risk of serious infections leading to hospitalization or death, including tuberculosis, OMG up to tuberculosis infection, bacterial sepsis, invasive fungal infections such as histoplasmosis, and infections due to other opportunistic pathogens. Since the FDA is pretty slow in the uptake of actually putting adverse effects of drugs on their warning labels, this author says, I'll mention that in addition to lymphoma, TB, and other infections, Humira is also linked to the following leukemia, skin cancers, candidiasis, Kaposi sarcoma, histoplasmosis, cryptosporidium, and says, all of which can lead to death. No wonder ABV wants to hide their data from their clinical trials. <laughs> no kidding, eh? <laughs> And it's true enough, you know, marketing can, can sell you anything, folks. It can sell you anything. And, and of course, uh, accept the side effects. And you're supposed to just simply overlook that. Oh, one in so many will get something nasty happening. Perhaps that's what your doctor is told. Because the American Medical Association was all set up by the Rockefellers, remember, including what the doctors will be taught. And that's still the same today. Also, natural, I mentioned this before, Natural Capital Declaration announces new signatories and supporters as implementation begins. And I read the article the other day on the air to do with uh, Agenda 21 and how everything's been privatized, etc. To, to save the world and save the earth, etc. But now the big Rothschild boys decided up the green banks. For those who don't know about it, look into green banks. Uh, as Rothschild who put it forward and all the little banks that you see are actually subsidiaries of his own bank and they're, they're putting natural capital and it says that um, the natural capital declaration has announced two signatories and three new supporters FMO, First Green Bank, TEB for Business Coalition 
True Cost and Association for Sustainable and Responsible Investments. It's a finance-led initiative committing banks, investors and insurers to integrate natural capital considerations in financial products and services and launched at the United Nations Conference on Sustainable Development, the Rio Plus 20, in June 2012. Earlier this week, the NCD announced the start of a new roadmap phase, which aims to turn these commitments into reality through a program of work by four working groups, each led by a bank. The same boys that run and own and set up the Royal Institute for International Affairs, folks. It's quite something. See, they own the air itself. And you're going to pay for every little bit of pollution, including your CO2 and so on, as they make trillions of bucks off you in the process. To save the earth, of course. What a great con that one is. From Hamish Mercer from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.